Hey everybody, welcome to the Under Construction Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as I talk to my guests about what it means to grow their career and how they define success. This is an experiment in helping us all to understand that while we may share things in common, we also have a lot of differences when it comes to both our careers and our definitions of success. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Under Construction Podcast. Today, my guest is Ryan Perriman. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Enjoying the fact that it's spring and everything is ramping up to a frenetic pace right now. Yeah, it's an awesome time of year here in St. Louis. The weather's, you know, finally turned, even though we we had snow less than a week ago. Now we're into the 80-degree days, so typical Midwestern spring. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, for folks who don't know you, uh, what company do you work at and what's your role? So I am the vice president of the building group here at Elk Ely Construction. And building a very wide term, right? What is the building group's wheelhouse in terms of market sector and types of structure that you guys build? Sure. So we're, we're a nationwide design builder. Um, really, we, we handle soup to nuts as far as commercial building contractors go. Um, you know, I mentioned nationwide. We, we do literally work coast to coast. We, in the last couple of years, have had projects as far west as Seattle, Tacoma, Washington area, and as far east as uh, the Miami area. And it's essentially um, commercial construction. So some of our key market sectors include retail, which is really how we cut our teeth as a a building contractor. We had the good fortune of latching on to some of those relationships that our paving group has developed over the course of the the last several decades. And then from there, we expanded into doing some workplace construction. We would do a little bit of, of municipal or education from here or there. Uh, we brought some folks under our team a few years ago who have some expertise in the financial institution world. So that plays a, a part of our business today. And of course, one of our other sister companies within the Keeley companies is KDG, which is a, a real estate development company. And we we're fortunate enough to be able to partner with them on some of their work in both the multifamily and workplace market sectors. So we're... Um, we're pretty diversified as a building contractor goes. Uh, we've got a, a very um, ambitious group of folks that are, are a part of our team, and it's an exciting time to be here and part of our growth. Absolutely. Um, so how did you come to be a part of the Keeley Companies family? I started here just a shade over five years ago, and I'd always known who L. Keeley Construction was, but didn't necessarily have any deep ties to to people within the organization. But one of the ties that I had made um, several years ago was with Kurt Peitzman. Um, And Kurt and I had uh, attended some professional development together uh, probably 10 years ago at this point in time and lightly stayed together. And at some point, he reached out to me and said, hey, we're we're looking to revamp our our building group uh, and, and we're looking for a leader for it. Would you happen to know anybody? Uh, next thing you know, I found myself at lunch with, with him and Ted Mettler and Tom Berkemeyer. And at the end of the conversation, I told him that uh, 
I wasn't going to give them any names of guys or gals that I thought would be qualified to do the job because there was only one I was interested in giving them, and that was my own. And uh, over the course of the next nine months or so, we we, we dated a lot, and, and we, we found a path for, for me to come work here and to do what I'm enjoying doing today. Uh, it's a cool story. I love the backstory behind everybody coming up in their career journey. That's cool. Thanks for sharing, Ryan. It's never just launch, right? Never. You are always being interviewed, no matter where you are or what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So along those lines, you know, you're the leader of the building group for El Keeley. What is it that that leadership role entails? You know, what does a VP do uh, on a typical day? Well, I have a fairly short attention span, and I like to think that that plays to my advantage in this role because I really get to do several of the things that I truly enjoy about this industry. I, I, I get to be involved in uh, you know the setting of strategy, I guess first and foremost. You know what what is our vision? Where do we want to go? What kind of resources is it going to take to get there? And in addition to that, then then comes all the execution stuff, right? So we have to go find the work. So I'm involved in that pursuit and business development process. I'm involved once we get that opportunity with working with our pre-construction team and our project development team to ensure that you know we understand customer needs and wants and that we put together a strategy to secure that work and to make the project a success for the customer. I'm usually a part of, you know, making those promises, uh, but then ultimately it gets transitioned over to our operational team and I, you know, hold them accountable to to ensure that we deliver on those promises that I made to the customer. Very cool. Yeah, definitely a wide wide-ranging role. That's very cool. When you look at your career, you know, you've you're in the middle of your career, you're now a VP. Um, when you started, had you chose uh, construction as your primary, or did you come into it uh, from a different pathway? Uh, so by the time I, I had gotten out of college, this is what I knew I wanted to do, but what I thought I wanted to do was very different. But it really started long before that. Um, when I was getting out of high school, I, you know, I was fairly decent at math and science, so I, I wanted to pursue a degree in engineering and decided that my passion in life was going to be working for a department of transportation, you know, designing bridges and roads and, you know, big structures that we all, you know, drive over and stuff like that on a daily basis. And by about day 30 of school, I realized that was probably not the right thing for me. And I had the I had the good fortune of, of, of being um, assigned a mentor that was an upperclassman as part of the School of Engineering who was a construction management major. The only reason I got a construction management major is because all the other civil engineering majors had been assigned to, to my freshman peers. So uh, mm. this guy, he, he you know, in some of our early conversations, he, he asked why civil engineering for me, and I shared with him why I thought that's what I wanted to do. And he told me a lot more about what construction management was, and I said, "Gosh, that that sounds interesting. I get to use some some engineering um, knowledge. I, I need to have a little bit of business knowledge, and then ultimately more of that construction sticks and bricks knowledge to go help you know create projects." So that's what I studied, and I, I had some great internships while I was in college, uh, working for some some local general contractors here in the St. Louis area. 
and then landed with a, a contractor right before I graduated. And it, it's been construction management ever since then for me. But one of one of the things that I really enjoyed whenever I was getting out of school was was the problem solving aspect of what construction was. You know, I, I I would have a problem that would be identified to me. I got to go see it in the field, actually learn more about the problem, then take it back to my computer, issue an RFI, work with the design team to get responses, and ultimately bring that response and that resolution back to the people in the field to to keep construction moving along. So a combination of that problem solving as well as the responsibilities of a, of a young project engineer to do some middle review and manage the procurement uh, component of a project were things that were exciting to me. And I, I just thought, man, to be in operations for the rest of my life, there, there's really nothing better than that. And then over time, my interests changed somewhat because I had additional exposure to other aspects of the construction life cycle and was able to participate in many of those different stages and phases of, of the life cycle of a project to ultimately help me progress throughout my career. Nice. Um, one thing that you had mentioned for folks that uh, may be listening that are not in the construction field, you had mentioned an RFI. Uh, can you explain that to uh, the folks what that is? So an RFI is a request for information. Um, you know, that's probably a, a fancy way to say there's an issue that needs to be solved. And oftentimes as builders, we, we get to solve those problems. And it's not because anyone did a bad job of what they were supposed to do. It's just that sometimes there are surprises or there's miscommunication or there's the inevitable gray area that we've got to paint a little bit, you know, brighter shades of black or white. And it's our job to, to, to get those answers and get them to the people that are actually putting work in place. You know, Ryan, that's actually a good point. And many people may not understand when it comes to building and construction, uh, it's not like getting a, an Ikea uh, piece of furniture where you get a, a bit-by-bit instruction on how to build it. You get a big picture and you get some specs and some plans. And then as the contractor, you get to figure out how to make that happen. So I think that's a misconception that many folks have is construction's following the rules. And uh, while there is some of that, it's actually using a lot of your brain power uh, to ask those questions, get those RFIs, because when you look at something, there could be many ways to actually construct it. And that's where a good construction manager separates themselves from someone who is only interpreting what is in black and white. It's all of that gray area and all of those misconceptions where you have an opportunity to separate yourself from your competition with how you handle those issues. And that competition, that may mean other companies that are doing the, the work that you do, or that could be you as an individual in differentiating yourself from maybe your peers within the organization with how you go about tackling problems. Yeah, absolutely. And that that actually, I wanted to circle back. You had mentioned your upperclassman who had mentored you. And uh, that's similar to what you just talked about is here, this is a differentiator. You're giving, you know, that advice, that coaching advice. For somebody who's either new into the construction field uh, or getting ready to consider getting into it as a young person, um, what should they look for in that mentor or experienced leader that will help them to accelerate their career growth? Well, I think them picking that mentor is a very important part of that. It's one thing to be assigned a mentor. 
And, you know, that that person who maybe is more experienced is told, hey, you need to go mentor this less experienced, potentially, you know, younger person. That doesn't work when that's a forced situation. It, it, what works the best is when you, as someone who's seeking to be mentored, goes out and finds that mentor, someone you look up to, someone who you aspire to be like. And I would say something that I try to do is have several of those people. I would have a technical expert maybe that I would go to. I would have someone who is very good at um, communication that I would go to. And then you know various other people as I was trying to develop certain skills over my career. But it's on you as the mentee to get out of the relationship what it is that, that you want. Don't just expect someone to schedule a periodic meeting with you and to come and you know share all of their knowledge. It's not that easy. Yeah, if it would be that easy, we'd uh, we wouldn't have sh- uh, shortages of people in any industries because you could just do a brain dump. But that's not how it works. <laughs> no. Uh, along those lines, if you have somebody who's looking to get into uh, the construction field, you talked about the differentiators of being able to look forward and problem solve. Um, you know that that sense of ownership, kind of being the Swiss Army knife of having the background to understand a lot. What other things would you encourage folks who are getting in the construction field to really focus on to differentiate themselves uh, from the rest of the pack? Humility and communication skills. Mm. So it has nothing to do with your technical knowledge. Uh, I worked for a manager for the the beginning of my career for several years and kind of drilled that in my head, you know, it, you can you can teach the sticks and bricks of this business to just about anybody. But what separates those that you know um, essentially stay in you know lower level management positions from those who advance in their career or maybe advance quicker than others are the ability to learn and the ability to really truly communicate with people. And those ultimately are the folks that enjoy more successful projects and probably more successful careers. Yeah. And I was just going to say, that's the, you know, what is the definition of success, right? That's kind of the, you know, philosophical monk on a on top of a mountain. But when it comes to the humility portion of it, one of the things that uh, I have found is very helpful to give people an illustration of the, what humility looks like. Uh, if you're willing, can you share a, a failure that you had in your career it looked like a, a failure on the surface, but then as you went through it, you realized it was the catalyst to learning that actually moved you forward in your career. Do you have one of those failures that really was a milestone for you in growing your career? Uh, what I would say is maybe it's not one specific thing, but I, I feel like I had a common thread of failure types where I, I tried to attack problems in a very um, just kind of black and white way. Um, you know, it, I was always quick to pull the contract out of the drawer and point to a, a clause that proved I was right, or to pull a construction document or specification out on a table and, and point and say, look at this right here. This is, this is what we're supposed to do. And even though those are documents that have probably been agreed to by all parties and are, are pretty explicit, that's not a very strong approach to solving problems that are usually pretty gray instead of black and white. And I mean, I think 
I was probably told on more than one occasion that I'm, I was predictable because of that, you know, which which made me less effective in my problem solving. So what that did is forced me to take a step back and to think about things more from another's perspective and to ultimately become more creative in the way that I went about doing my work. And whether that be something where I was on the offensive or something that I was on the defensive, if I would if I would take the time to be more creative, I got results that I that I liked better, results that were, were better for our team or for our company or for myself. So I, I've always tried to take pause and to think of things that are more creative as opposed to just coming at you with a full head of steam uh, and, and, and what's probably a more predictable response or approach. That is really cool. I appreciate it. And obviously required humility on your part to change the way that you approached the large part of your job, which was problem solving, right? I've made a hell of a lot of mistakes, John. Hey, people who don't make mistakes typically don't learn. This is the human condition, right? In order to to get stronger, to grow, you have to fail. Uh, and we forget about that as we get older. You know, nobody's going to yell at a, a toddler as they're learning to walk. They trip and fall more than they succeed, but they learn something. Whether it's balance or how high to lift their feet or not to lift their feet super high. We got a little one across the street that's a high stepper right now. They're very unstable. But then we get older and suddenly it's like, well, we can't make a mistake. Like, but you're not going to grow if you don't make mistakes. So. None of us like to fail. Uh, I mean, I, I don't like making mistakes. I don't like learning the hard way. I, I don't like uh, not having all the answers. But the, the reality is a lot of times that's, that's the case. So, you know, we, we have to be willing to make decisions. We have to be willing to make the tough calls. Um, and, and I think some people think that comes easy, but they don't understand all the research and data consumption and just lessons learned that go into getting you to that point where you are prepared to, to do those things. Along those lines, it is a stressful job, right? Because we are making decisions on best available information, but not complete information. That That's uh, going to be stressful and at times overwhelming. Do you have any habits that you've developed that you use to help you either regain focus or to lower your anxiety uh, when you're faced with this kind of a high-pressure, high-stress environment? I mean, I, I've certainly struggled with with balance over the years. And have found that, you know, how I manage my time helps uh, helps me to manage stress appropriately. And some of those things are how I manage my time in my personal life. Some of those things are how I manage my time, you know, when I'm uh, at work. So, you know, one of the things that I've always found helpful is to always be reading or listening to something that's going to help be enhance my soft soft skills or my leadership skills uh, to 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 just make me a better version of myself. And then another thing is I know that I just feel better and do better when I am routinely doing something to push myself physically. And that may not mean that it's just some big lofty goal. It, it may just mean that I'm you know, three or four days a week, I'm, I'm putting in, you know, 20 or 30 minutes or or so of, of, of exercise to allow me to do some of that thinking that I can't do whenever I'm distracted with everything else that's going on in, in my world. Yeah. Simple concept, not easy to execute. Um, 
By the way, for folks who uh, are listening, uh, when it comes to speaking of the time you're putting in, Ryan, uh, congratulations on running a marathon. Uh, you want to share your time, 26 miles, 26.2 miles. I don't want to short you that point two. Uh, what was your time in that marathon? I clocked in just over three hours and 43 minutes. Congratulations, man. That is phenomenal and a good example of pushing yourself physically. So that's really exciting. I, I had a lot of alone time out on the road for many weeks and months leading up to that to think about stuff, both the uh, personal and professional. I work out a lot of issues that way. <laughs> Therapy and work problem solving while also training for a marathon. I love it. I mean, people ask me, how can you you spend time running like that without having earbuds in and listen to music or podcasts or something? I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I look forward to that. It's, it's the one time during the day or the week where I don't have a lot of other background noise going on. You know, I, I can work through some stuff during those miles. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, last question I got before uh, we get you back to your weekend and vacation. Thank you for doing this right before you take a break. Um, uh, let's say you were able to be in God mode of all the uh, technological advances that we have here where you could put anything you wanted on any of the screens uh, in the world. So watches, tablets, giant billboards, all the things in restaurants, the digital signage. What is it that Ryan Perriman wants to put on a screen in front of everyone uh, that they just need to know. That's a tough one, and I forgot that you asked that on these. <laughs> you know, I guess maybe maybe going back to I think a comment that I made earlier that be the best version of yourself. You know, we we can't all compare ourselves to. You know, maybe it's people we see on TV or people in social media and we, we see the amazing things that they're doing either, you know, as, a, as an athlete or as a, a leader in the world or, you know, a leader in the community for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. Don't compare yourselves to other people. Compare yourself to yourself. And if, if you know you're working hard to be the best version of you, then you're doing a really good job. So that would be my message. That's a wise message, and and I appreciate you sharing that. You know, as you're talking about running a marathon, I'm like, I'm lucky to get a mile in. Uh, But for me, a mile is good because last year I didn't run at all, and that's exactly where you went. So thank you for uh, slapping me in the face while I was envying you for running a marathon. (laughs) Uh, Kudos to you, man, for for you looking the way you look right now. Uh, You've made some pretty big life changes, and uh, I'm certain you probably uh, felt the benefit of that. Most definitely so. Uh, more than I ever would have realized. It's a, a been a failure that uh, caused me to learn a lot. So, well, man, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for the vulnerability and and uh, transparency of sharing your journey. Uh, thank you very much for all you do, uh, both in the community but also for growing your team uh, over at El Kili Construction. Thank you, John. This been been a lot of fun. everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Under Construction Podcast. As a reminder, this is a place where we can talk about what does it mean to be a success and the journey that it takes to get there, which is different for everyone, as I'm sure you've heard. I encourage you to listen to this app. We'll be posting this podcast on a regular basis to all the major podcast apps, be it on your iOS or Android device, certainly on your computer. You can always find us at anchor.fm forward slash or all of the major podcast apps and platforms. 
Thanks and have a great rest of the week.